Pretty cool event, like singular event last night in L.A. I mean, you've we talked about the script a lot. The NBA was one of the first to run it. Yeah. Oh, like, God. Yes. This side of this side of wrestling. Right. right. Uh, TNT, you know, loves drama. Mm-hmm, right? mm-hmm. So to have this one happen in L.A. Perfect. Like perfect. If uh, they're on the road at. San Antonio doesn't quite resonate the same, does it? Well, I thought that if they really were going to follow the script, he would have broken it on Thursday night on TNT in Milwaukee where Kareem Abdul-Jabbar started his career. So if you want to talk about the script, Josh, you had two great opportunities to do something really cool. They chose the one under the big lights of Los Angeles. Yeah, I think so. I think it makes more sense in Milwaukee. But but now you just add to it by going to Milwaukee. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like all it is all set up because everything now is a record too, right? Yeah. Every single basket's a record. Now so he's now this many in front of Kareem, and you yeah. have to wonder who's going to be the uh, the next scoring leader. I just wish I cared more about this than I do. You used I, to I, like LeBron. I, I did. I, I used mm-hmm. to love LeBron, and I, I just I don't anymore. And I, I think it's probably because I just I'm not a basketball fan, and I can't get into the day in and day out of it. But I I, I don't even think a lot of it was the way that he left Cleveland because I didn't care. He went and took the money down there and did all that. But it really it, be, it became about him, and he became kind of. Kind of mean, I thought, over the last few years. Like, I really love LeBron's first go-round in Cleveland. I love when he came back to Cleveland and won a championship there. But I just think over the last few years, I mean, LeBron is just, it's just not, it's just not been my cup of tea. I don't know. It's just has, it's been different for me with LeBron. It's just not been the same guy that I thought in Cleveland that I loved. He he became, I think, it feels like to me, he's kind of become a, a guy who, who was like, trying to prove everybody wrong where he didn't have to prove everybody wrong. Like he's one of the greatest players that we've ever seen on earth. And I just, I sometimes don't think he enjoys it enough. I sometimes think a lot of athletes don't enjoy it enough with the, with the, you know, the opportunities that they have and what they're doing on the quarter, on the field or on the ice. I think sometimes they get like us as, as fans and we get tunnel vision and we get, I don't know if the spoiled is the right term, but I, there are times where I think I look at LeBron. I'm like, are you really enjoying this right now? Or has it become more of a job for you? And I wish, I wish athletes would have the, the opportunity to look at it and say, yeah, I'm enjoying this. But I think a lot of these guys just kind of go out there and they don't enjoy it because it's their job. I mean, just like any job, I guess, you know, no matter what you do, people think, wow, I bet he enjoys his job every day. But for a lot of people, it's just a job. And maybe for them, it's just a job. I just, I just wish I saw the joy in LeBron that I saw the first go around in Cleveland. Like, I'm just looking at the pictures right now. There he's smiling. But when he was with Kareem, he's not smiling at all. Like, enjoy the moment, my man. Enjoy that. I moment. thought he it's enjoyed the deal. I thought they enjoyed last night anyway, uh, quite a bit uh, when I was watching, but um, I I didn't make it. I didn't I didn't get there. I was he was twenty two shy. I saw the little thing in the corner was the last I remember before the eyes started to get a little heavy and dial dial out of that one. <laughs> I cashed out at halftime. Did you, yeah, see, I didn't yeah. even make it to the start of the yeah. game. I was and then I heard the field. yelling and the excitement. Was like, oh okay. No, it was it was a it was a cool event. Definitely having fun. And then you, there was no way it wasn't happening, which was I, I felt like it was going to be the case going in. But just watching that one, I like, oh yeah, he's getting this. It's oh, like yeah. not even going to be a question of. 
of him getting it done. He needed 35, right? Which you know, that's you know, it's a LeBron. That's a, night. that's a big number, but though, it's still man. it's still a big number when you have to get it. You know what I mean? Right. Like whenever it's you have to get it, we're like, oh, he's getting this. Um, and then to have Kareem there, I thought was an upset. Upset. Yeah. I did yeah. not expect to see. Crusty Kareem there in the building. In the building, yes. With the captain jacket. Yeah, with the captain yeah. jacket yeah. was money. Fantastic. I, I thought that oh, was great. I love that. But I, I mean, you you look at you so know all the star all the stars were out. You had Kareem there. You had Magic there. You had you know all kinds of randos like John McEnroe there. Um, yeah, Jay Z in the building. And then why does LeBron want to hug Shannon Sharp as one of the first people he sees? Well, can somebody explain that? I mean, I, I, I guess, why. but what, what do you mean got his back? He's the greatest scorer in NBA history. Why does he need people well, you, to have his back? You need to have people. There are people on your side. There are people who are not on your side, especially LeBron James. He's been polarizing his entire career. So you, you hug the people who are, <laughs> who've had your back. Yeah. I guess. Um, so having Kareem actually there, I thought was pretty cool. Um, because I, I honestly didn't think he would show up. Right. Like, I didn't he's either. Just not, yeah. He's, you know, not been, very pleasant in his later no, days. He's been and, miserable. And he yeah. hasn't been in great graces with the Lakers and what have you. So to see him there was cool. Handing over the basketball is cool. I would have had him skyhook it to him though. Mm-hmm. He just like hand, you know, he just like held the ball up and then handed it to him. He should have skyhooked it to him. Maybe it would have been a, a, a better finish. Uh, but also we like to criticize top picks when they don't work. That's like fun, right? Oh God. Yes. It's oh, easy to do that. We don't give enough praise. He's the most hyped number one pick ever. Yeah, probably so in all of sports. And probably no one will probably be ever more hyped. Name most other people's high schools. What does he have? Edna St. Vincent Millay? Is that what he went? Vincent St. Mary, right? You saw their freaking games on television when he was in high school. Yeah, they were on ESPN. ESPN. Yeah. There is no one. Well, he's been, been playing so long. ESPN was looking for programming back <laughs> yeah, then. That's true. <laughs> they were running box scores and then his games. Yeah, then his games. Um, yeah. But to have somebody on that stage perform the way he has for 20-something years and and to be the most hyped, the most watched, the most uh, under-the-spotlight athlete we've ever, ever, ever seen, and he lived up to everything. Is uh, is pretty unbelievable. I kind of wish he would have done it at the free throw line. Right? Oh, exceeded! Of course, he yeah. exceeded expectations. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, you're the number one overall pick. You're going to have a lot of expectations put on you, right? But to say he exceeded expectations, I don't think is hyperbole at all. Yeah. He became the leading scorer in the history of the NBA, and he's done amazing things on the court. He's won championships with three different organizations and put three different organizations kind of on the map. I mean, saved Cleveland when they were nothing. Went down to Miami, won championships down there. Came back to Cleveland, won a championship championship there and saved them and then went out to LA when they were a dumpster fire, you know, and won a championship now in the bubble, but was still won a championship in, uh, in LA. So he's won a championship everywhere he's been and he's become the all-time scoring leader. Yeah. I think he exceeded expectations. I think, I think it's okay to say the number one overall pick did more than anybody I mean, ever just, expected. Let's just look at number one picks. If we can't for a moment, this is sense LeBron. Okay. Sense LeBron, Dwight Howard. Okay. Good one. Andrew Bogut. Who? Andrea Bargnani. Never heard of him. Never heard of him. Yeah, the Barnani. number five? Number five, Barnani. Greg Oden? No, he sucked. He was the, He's one of the most underachieving was, number one overall picks in all sports. All yeah. He was 35 when he got drafted. Yeah, that guy stunk. Derrick Rose? Terrible. Hasn't lived up to it. Blake Griffin's been good. Good. John Wall's been good. Has Blake Griffin been number one overall good, though? For that particular year, you don't always have to be all-time greatest ever. Yeah. I'm just saying. Okay. Yeah. John Wall, Kyrie Irving, Ugh. Anthony Davis. Kyrie sucks. Anthony Bennett? Who? 
Yeah. Is that the guy who sang I Left My Heart in San Francisco? Yes. He goes by Tony now, though. Okay, then he went and coached Virginia. Uh, Wigs. Uh, uh, Okay player. Carl Anthony Towns. Ben Simmons. Markel Fultz. Ben Simmons, you said? Yeah. (laughs) Has he played yet in the NBA? Markel Fultz. He busted a foot and never did anything, right? He was hurt, too, right? DeAndre Ayton, Zion Williamson, who I see more in street clothes than I ever see. Play- I see him more at the buffet than I see Anthony him Edwards, Kate Cunningham, followed by Carroll. Um, obviously, the new new crop, you, you don't know. But those are all the ones just since LeBron James. Like, those aren't necessarily top overall. You know, they haven't lived up to top overall picks of, like, that class. Right. Let alone all time. It's unbelievable. Now do 10th overall picks in the NFL and see where Patrick Mahomes <laughs> yeah. ranks amongst all the other Probably guys. We're going to pick 10 in the NFL over the last 20 years. he wasn't years. hyped. I mean, no, he was not hyped not at even, all coming even, out. Not even close. I mean, Binkley didn't even I'm, want him. I'm just saying overall spotlight since high school, the it. Hey, I'm a Jordan guy, but LeBron, whew, that's, that's a hell of a career. And now it'll just keep going. It'll just keep, it'll just keep rolling up points. And I don't know how many he's going to blow uh, Kareem away by, but. It's just going to be uh, it's going to be amazing when he posts that final number. And I don't know. Can we say maybe no one gets there once whatever the number is that he puts out there might be it. I know he may not want to make it that hard for Bronny to get there, though. I mean, he he, he may want to keep <laughs> I think it close. He's already, I think he's already Bronny ain't getting anywhere close. No, to that number. probably not. Yeah. Is Bronny going to be more of a Marcus Jordan or more of a LeBron James? It'd be interesting to see how his son does. Usually the kids are better than the pops. I mean, you go back to like King Griffey Jr. He was a heck of a lot better. Well, if he than makes his the NBA, was, right? he'll be fine. You know what I mean? Like that's, I mean, he makes the NBA. He's already eclipsed most of the sun. Yeah. That from that standpoint, you're absolutely right. Most of them don't even make it to the pros. I mean, but I think what we saw last night is, is like when, when you watch greatness and there, there aren't many athletes that truly deserve the term. Great. We throw that around. Like it's nobody's business. LeBron is obviously one of those Patrick Mahomes, Tom Brady. There are guys out there that deserve the tag of great. There are guys out there that are very good, like Aaron Rodgers. I don't think he's a great quarterback. I think he's a very good quarterback. He doesn't win when it matters, right? So I don't think he's a great quarterback per se. I look at Tom Brady. I look at Patrick Mahomes. They do things on the field and on the court that nobody else can do. And LeBron James is the perfect example of greatness when you see what he was able to do last night because he needed 35 points, right? And he needed that, and everybody's like, that's a kind of a big number. But he went out there and got those 35 points. When greatness wants to take over a game and wants to take over an event, greatness takes over. And we saw LeBron take that over last night because the last thing that he wanted to do was probably go another two days of not getting the scoring title. Just get it and get it out of the way. And it reminds me of conversations that people used to have about Ichiro all the time where they said Ichiro could hit a home run anytime he wanted to when he was at the plate. He could knock any ball out of the ballpark. And I always said, then why doesn't he do that right the the the, the great athletes have a way of doing things that are superhuman right and LeBron last night by getting those 35 points and more shows you what kind of superhuman powers certain athletes have not everyone has it and we're fortunate enough to see our quarterback very much on the same level 
as LeBron James when it comes to that greatness and the ability to do whatever is necessary to help your team win a game. Now, sometimes it's not going to work out, as we've seen over the years, with both LeBron and with Patrick Mahomes. But I think when you look at a guy like Patrick Mahomes, you have to compare him to Michael Jordan. You have to compare him to LeBron James because there are a handful of guys that we've seen in our lifetime, Josh, that can go out there on the quarter on the field and just do things because they're so much better than everybody else. And LeBron is in that category. I I mean, I, I lost the love that I had for LeBron, but it doesn't take away the fact that he's one of the greatest players in all of sports that we've ever seen and one of the greatest clearly in our lifetimes as well. I just only watched a handful of times this year, and I'm just amazed. Like, oh, boy, that that dude's older than everybody else. <laughs> he's still doing he, it. Yeah, and he's still doing and it. He still but looks, he's not as old because he came in at 18. And you he know? still looks like he's unstoppable going to the rim. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. It's, uh, yeah. Good job getting that done and getting it out of the way. Now you can just tally more and more points. Right. And got it out of the way perfectly in front of the uh, – "Quote unquote home, home fans, home fans, yeah, in in L.A. with the Lakers. Right. He, he did it in front of the people who really, really wanted to be there. That's right, paid right. all that at money the, at the. Uh, <laughs> Shannon Sharp told them last Lakers. night on the court. Thanks for doing this tonight. You saved me a lot of money. I don't have to come back on Thursday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know. Saved a lot of people a lot of money. I mean, I wonder what those courtside seats were going oh, for geez. last night, right? You you, you're probably talking more than Super Bowl tickets, and yeah. and Super Bowl tickets are between four, five, six, seven, eight thousand dollars just to get in the door. You know, at the Super Bowl, I'm sure courtside seats were probably. I bet you. Look, I don't know. I I mean, we could look it up, but I'm going to guess that Shannon Sharp probably had a $25,000 price tag on that ticket last night. That was a big moment. You know, big moments cost more. And sitting courtside at Staples Center in Los Angeles to watch LeBron James next to the Super Bowl, that's the sporting event of the year. And, oh, by the way, they lost again. To the and they Oklahoma lost, City and, and that, that, that's that's the dirty little secret. <laughs> oh, they, they lost, lost the game, the game. Yeah. Oh, to yeah. Oklahoma City. The he should have scored f- to know, a young Oklahoma City Thunder team. Yep. Yeah, well, he has no support. He needed his his friend Kyrie. Wait, I guess they didn't follow there. the full script. Then. Yeah, yeah. He said it was winning time when it was time to go to the fourth quarter, and yeah. he scored two points. He scored two points, and well, he was tired, man. Yeah, I'm not going to blame out. LeBron for well, that. He also got cold with the ten minute stoppage of play. Yeah, yeah. I had to thank everybody a little bit. I really wanted him to shoot the skyhook. For the the to break the record, that because was the in, rumor. He in in warmups he was practicing three point sky hooks and he was drilling them. I was like, okay, you got to do this in the game when it when it comes to it. Don't do the you know the fadeaway. Get out there at three point line and shoot the sky hook. Yeah, but if, you miss, but if you miss it. But if you miss it, then you look like a jackass too, and, and, and I think that's important. You don't want to. And what if it rolls around the rim and bounces up? And you know, you want to. That shot that he had was a swish for the record, man. Oh, yeah. And and a mid range jumper at that. The shot that I hate most in basketball that college players think the they can hit all the time. Away. The fadeaway mid range jumper. Don't try to be LeBron, man. Nobody's gonna be LeBron. Don't try to be LeBron. Be your own guy. And and don't try that mid-range fadeaway because that that was a thing of beauty and nobody on a college basketball court is making that shot. If Mahomes can be Brady, maybe he starts with this next. Fesco in the morning, brought to you by Rayner Garage Doors of Kansas City. LiftMaster is patented MyQ technology. It's no wonder LiftMaster is the number one professionally installed garage door opener. Find us at RaynerKC.com. The voice of Chiefs Kingdom, Mitch Holtus, drops by the show every Friday at 7.30, right here on 610 Sports Radio. So I, I wouldn't tell you he's 100 percent, but the, the training staff works with him in, endlessly. It's it's a, a tribute to both of them for Pat coming back for more, and uh, 
and for those guys cranking on them. So, you know, Julie spent most of the time with them, uh, uh, rehabbing them, and we've got all the latest, greatest stuff to, to use technology-wise. So um, he's used it all and, and has been able to make make these jumps here where he can he can actually function and play in the game, which is very remarkable. So we're using technology and stuff now on Patrick to get him ready. That's well, cool. You have to, right? That's smart. Let's go. Get him yeah, ready technology to play. and stuff. Got to get him ready for the Super Bowl, Josh. Whatever it takes, right? Whatever it takes to get him ready for that game. And I think really what it takes is probably going to be a lot of rest uh, for Patrick Mahomes to make sure that uh, he's not putting any rice, pressure a lot on of that. rice. A lot of rice. Yeah, probably so. Probably so. You got to do that as well. So what, what? what is that? Raise, ice, heat, and elevate or something like that? Sure. Yeah, yeah something yeah. like that. But All now things. they tell you you're not supposed to ice or heat anymore. And I mean, every, every day it's something different. So I'm sure he's in great hands, great hands right now with the Kansas City Chiefs. And I hope somebody's carrying him around like Steve Nebraska on a throne. Oh, no. He's got to prove he can walk everywhere. Oh, he does? Yeah. Okay. Is, it, is he in a walking boot when he walks into media day activities no, and people are taking pictures no of that? No, not at all, no right? Gonna let it, not He's not going to show any pain. Not going to let him see you. No. Can't let him see you sweat. Can't nope. let him see you sweat at all. You don't want to do that. Nope, 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 nope. I guess Mahomes has a chance to be Brady a little bit this weekend. Yeah, I, I, I think so. I, I think when, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about Patrick Mahomes and the greatness that is Patrick Mahomes. And, and we're starting to see a lot more folks understand what we're watching right now and witnessing uh, with how great this guy has been. And, and Patrick Mahomes is an underdog in the Super Bowl. And it's also the first time that the Chiefs are wearing white jerseys in the Super Bowl, or not white jerseys in the Super Bowl, but white jerseys in the postseason. And why that's important is because this is the first time they've ever been a true road team. I mean, they've been the home team in every single playoff game for Patrick Mahomes and his career here in Kansas City, which is quite remarkable. Tom Brady never even had that opportunity. But the other thing that Tom Brady had is the underdog status as well. He was an underdog two times in the Super Bowl. In the 10 Super Bowls, Josh, that Tom Brady was a part of, he was an underdog two times in that Super Bowl. The first Super Bowl against the Rams, they were a massive 14-point underdog. That's arguably the greatest upset in Super Bowl history when you look at the spread. I mean, people can talk about the Giants beating the Patriots twice and the Eagles beating the Patriots, but that first Super Bowl that New England was in, nobody gave them an opportunity to win that thing. There was no talk about the Patriots. There was no love for the Patriots. There was nothing. They were 14-point underdogs in that game, and they came out and won it. And then Tom Brady was the favorite all the way through until his last Super Bowl, against Kansas City, which I'm thinking back. I'm like, why were the Chiefs the favorite in that game? Like, you had a banged-up offensive line, and Tampa was playing at home. Like, everything should have been in yeah, favor of yeah, Tampa. That's weird. You know, going into that Looking game, Looking back right? at it, it's weird. Looking yeah. back, it's like, wow. And, and, and the Chiefs got smoked in that game, as we all know. So, I, I was thinking about that. Tom Brady, an underdog twice in the Super Bowl, and won both of those games. He won his last one. He won his first one. Patrick Mahomes, though, should get into this Tom Brady category and never be an underdog in the Super Bowl. I could see if it was your first Super Bowl, like it was Tom Brady's, and you wanted to put Patrick as an underdog because he was facing, you know, Tom Brady or whatever in the Super Bowl. Fine, I understand all that. But you're talking about Patrick Mahomes versus Jalen Hurts right now in the Super Bowl. You're talking about Andy Reid versus Nick Sirianni. You're talking about an experienced team versus a young team with a, a head coach that's barely out of the womb right now. And Patrick Mahomes is the underdog. He needs to be in that Tom Brady category where when he takes the field in the Super Bowl, he is the favorite, which to me makes this game even more important as we continue to focus on that macro versus micro legacy versus this year type stuff. This is a big game again because 
He needs to get that full-blown respect, and it's going to come with a Super Bowl win. Patrick Mahomes will finally get that Tom Brady-like respect where no matter where he is, when he's there, when he takes the field, he's the favorite in that game. There should be no reason, in my opinion, that Patrick Mahomes is an underdog to anybody right now in the NFL. Uh, Certainly not against the NFC, you'd think, at this stage. Mm -hmm. Like, the AFC seems to have the bulk of the quarterbacks. And the street cred and the ability to get things done, yeah. Right. So you, you would think it would be all all AFC. Yeah, yeah, exactly, so. because that's where all the good quarterbacks reside. Now, Jalen Hurts is starting to emerge a little bit, but I'm not ready to put him in that category with Josh Allen and Joe Burrow I mean, and Patrick Mahomes. If he wins Sunday, he'll get his due. Absolutely, you know absolutely. I mean? Sunday's but, a big game for him, too. But now it's still, he's okay, you're kind of new on the scene, and I don't, I don't know. I don't know how many people have watched Philly all year. I told I you, know. I didn't watch enough Philly this year. I did I, not. I don't know. Um so I don't know that he's he's kind of a household name, but not really a household name. Yeah, he's probably how more of a household Philly, name because of, uh, of Alabama. How much Philly have you watched? You know, um, so yeah, he's not there yet. But you think against the NFC, anytime against the NFC, um, he would definitely be the the favorite. Yeah, there might be some AFC games where you're not the favorite because the teams are perceived to be more kind of heavy. Mm-hmm. But go go. Uh, I like it though because it's not going to happen all that often. Shouldn't probably. Yeah. It shouldn't have happened. Shouldn't have been that Tampa Super Bowl. That one right. is baffling. Yeah. Me. I'd have to look, go back and look. Did they not? I mean, we were telling ourselves the offensive line was going to be okay, but I can't imagine the national people were right. So you'd think that they would have been underdogs in that game. And quite honestly, I don't even really remember the narrative going into that game. It was so, it was so bizarre. I mean, it was COVID. It was just a weird Super Bowl too. And especially you know, with Tom Brady running through as the sixth seed and beating everybody on the road and then getting to play that home Super Bowl, you would have thought for sure Tom Brady was the favorite in that one. Yeah. But he wasn't. I was surprised by that. Yeah. I guess we were talking ourselves into that offensive line being just fine. Yeah, I think we were. I think we were because I, they had done it all year, too. I yeah. mean, they had done it all year long. It was just kind of somebody got hurt, somebody went in. Somebody got hurt, somebody went in. Eric Fisher got hurt, nobody went in. We were screwed. Uh, we were discussing yesterday the uh, the over-under being about 50 and a half for this game. And we were doing all of our different math combinations. And I'm like, yeah, I'd over. Over sounds fine. 27-24 is over. 31-20 right. is over. Whatever. 28-23 uh, mm-hmm. is over. You mm-hmm. know, some of, the, some of those things. But... Will Cheffers have an impact on that? Oh, I think so. I think I think he will. And it, it's really, again, as we've talked about, a shame that we're talking about referees and officials in games. But Carl Cheffers, and this comes from Fansided, they did a really good breakdown of betting trends for Carl Cheffers. And when Carl Cheffers refs a game, here's what happened. And since 2010, so that's a big sample size. That's 13 years of a sample size we're looking at right now. The under is 10-1 and one in playoff games refereed by Carl Cheffers. So if you're looking at that 50 and a half you know total right now and you're thinking boy I think they can definitely get the over on that one remember there might Carl, be Carl. Sheffers <laughs> is the referee and since uh. 2010 the under is 10 and 1 in playoff games refereed by Carl Cheffers seeing that stat and again it it's history but I think you can study more on history with referees than you can with players because nobody really affects the ref they can do whatever the hell they want out there players are affected by the other team right the referee can go out there and do whatever he wants there's nobody competing against him per se that's going to stop him from throwing penalty flags so now 
24 hours ago, let's say, you're looking at that number and you're thinking 50 and a half, I think the over can hit. You see the under is 10 and one in playoff games with Cheffers as a ref. Does that change your perception of the way you may bet that game on Sunday afternoon? I think it makes you pause a little bit and think to yourself, boy, my gut's telling me the over, but the numbers out there are telling me the under hits with Carl Cheffers. I'm having a tough time with this one. I'm not going to lie to you, Josh. I don't know which is the better route to go. Do you bet the over because your heart feels like that? Or are you taking the under because past history states that Carl Cheffers barely has it over. In I that think game. the I take the under because I believe in the the Chiefs defense slowing down the Eagles. Okay, that? all right. So take the under a little yeah. bit. All right, because he was under in the uh, the last Super Bowl the Chiefs were in. Right, but that was because the Chiefs only scored nine. Like you know what I mean? Like, yeah, almost like they didn't do their part either to put up points. So right. Um, no, I, I, I still think it's, I still think it's over. I feel like it's okay. I feel like there's going to be points. So you think so Cheffers, l- what if I tell you this Carl Cheffers crew is called the most penalties in the NFL over the last two years. Mm-hmm. And his crew is called the second most pass interference penalties in the NFL this season alone. Does that change what I you're mean, that, going to that do? That makes it difficult. Cause you don't feel like the chiefs draw a lot of pass interference offensively. Yeah, you're right about that. Yeah, no but kidding. Defensively, see, it seems like they do, though. But you can though. see yeah. the, the, the rooks, the first-year guys, getting handsy and getting penalties. Right. So I don't think that that one bodes well for the Chiefs. Right. Here's another good one that bodes well for the Chiefs. In Sheffer's previous two Super Bowls, the underdog won the game outright. Okay. So. Assuming it stays. Assuming it stays the same, <laughs> the Chiefs should win this game. Okay, all right. Underdogs are 42, 24, and 2 against the spread in games refereed by Cheffers. The favorites are 7 and 4 outright in the playoffs with Carl Cheffers as the ref. Mm. So in the Super Bowls, the underdog wins when Carl Cheffers refs. Most of the time in playoff games, the favorite wins. That's what you have to decide. That's the information I'm giving you. I'm not telling you which side to bet on because I don't even know right now which side to bet on with some of these. I know I'm taking the Chiefs on the money line to win the game. But when you start to look at the over-under number, that's where it gets a little bit tricky, and that's the decision you're going to have to make for yourself. Jeffers. shouldn't The shouldn't fact be that all of this is I out know. there is shouldn't, insane. It shouldn't even be a thing. It's insane. It's gross. A uh, forgotten Chiefs piece is a key one. Get to that next. Fesco in the morning. Brought to you by Rayner Garage Doors of Kansas City. LiftMaster has patented MyQ technology. It's no wonder LiftMaster is the number one professionally installed garage door opener. Find us at RaynerKC.com. Don't miss the Chiefs Red Half Hour. Every weekday starting at 1130 on Cody and Gold. On your official broadcast partner of the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. I don't want to be playing no more. I'm not a player. I just crush a lot. Well, yeah, no, I always say that I'm faster. I'm fast enough to run away from the guy chasing me. And uh, the guy chasing me was pretty fast, so I ran fast enough to get to the edge right. and get out of bounds. And so uh, uh, the ankle's getting better and better. Um, obviously, this rest is going to help out a ton. Um, but uh, they got a couple fast guys on their team as well, so I might, might have to pass that miles per hour this week. Yeah, I was on the sideline right where you ran. And, and I said, he can't. Wait a second. He's running like there's nothing wrong with him. It was awesome. Yeah, no, you know, that, wasn't that the last play of the game for you? It was the last play of the game for me, and you know how that adrenaline goes, especially yeah. in those yeah. big moments, and uh, you don't feel it until after the game. So was a little sore there that next day or two, but uh, luckily enough, we had those days off, so I was able to get back after it uh, at later in the week. Always good advice. Be faster than the guy chasing you. It's very simple, right? Yeah. Which I never really was. That's why I was a lineman and a first baseman. Just had a waddle over to the base. 
I love how he says, I run scared. That's how I, I'm so fast. You guys aren't faster than me because I run scared. You run right. scared. Right. So you I'm run not faster. I'm not faster than that guy. I'm just scared. I mean, more I, scared I, in the moment than I got to outrun him. I guess as kids, we all ran up the stairs from our basement and slammed the door thinking, like, the monsters were going to get us, right? I mean, how many times did you do that? I don't know about you guys, but, like, my parents would send me down to the basement to get something at night, and I'd be like, oh, I'm scared. I don't want to do this. And then I would get up the stairs and run so fast up there and slam the door and be like, whew, I made it up, man. So I guess that's kind of how you have to be if you're Patrick Mahomes, right? Pretend you're running up the stairs from the basement and the monsters are getting get you because i know that's how i was as a kid so i love that he's got a gauge i gotta go look at the film to see how fast i need to be this week <laughs> some weeks i don't have to be as fast because they're not quite as fast i just need to be a step faster so what is that speed this week it's a good way to go about is it. there like a a, a a speedometer or something that he has on his wrist that yeah. tells him how fast mm-hmm. he has to go okay if i can get to 22 miles per hour i'm gonna be okay yeah and so he's looking down at his wrist. He's at 21, and then he hits yeah. 88, and yeah. boom, and he's gone. Yes, he's gone. He's gone to another another time. Another dimension, baby. Yep. yep. So fill up that uh, flux capacitor this week, Patrick. There you Let's go, go, Patrick. Uh, 5.30, the kickoff on Sunday on 106.5, the Wolf. Uh, yep, yep. I don't know why I keep forgetting him, but I do, and I feel bad about it every time it happens, and it happened again yesterday. I was uh, perusing our, our friends at arrowheadpride.com, and – and saw a Carlos Dunlap story. And every time I see it, I go, oh, yeah, Carlos Dunlap. Mm-hmm. Who said he had three goals in signing with the Chiefs. Get to 100 career sacks, win a playoff game, and take home the Lombardi Trophy. Say those again. Get 100 sacks. In a season? That would be pretty that good. That would be pretty good, yeah. Now he passed 100 career sacks. Yep. Won a playoff game. Yeah. And now take home the Lombardi. So he's... Two thirds of the way through his uh, his goals. That's pretty cool. Um, he, he said they needed a veteran rusher to add to the rushers. They had a young guy like George that was coming in, Carl Loftus, and wanted me to give him the tools. And I was going to have the opportunity to be in a rotation with a Super Bowl contender. For me, that was a perfect storm. That's why after meeting with them and leaving with that meeting, I loved the opportunity. Goes on to say, um, man, 100 sacks, playoff game, we're on track. My vision was clear on what I set my sights on and my heart was on. I look forward to wearing all that on my sleeve coming up on Sunday. Man, it'll be a lot of fun to see him play. I, I think he's going to go down this year to me as the Mike Pinnell of 2023. And what I mean by that is Mike Pinnell was that guy who we look back at the season that year. They won the Super Bowl. Went, Where would this team have been without Mike Pinnell? How good he was, you know, inside on the interior for the Chiefs uh, in that Super Bowl run. And and I looked at him and like he was a minor player that nobody really talked much about. But man, he played big and had big moments. And that's kind of like Carlos Dunlop. He's gotten his sacks, but more importantly, that guy is batting down balls at the line of scrimmage like I've never seen before. And that is such a key play because it just wipes away a down. It's over right there. You knock a pass down at the line of scrimmage, man. That that goes from second and, and five. Now you're looking at third and five. And all of a sudden, everything has to change of what you're trying to accomplish on that down. And so I think that's a big, big, big thing that Carlos Dunlop has brought to this team. It seems to me, anyway, that he bats down passes all the time. You probably look at the number and maybe there's five or six or something like that for the season but it seems to me he gets those in bunches and I think that's going to be his key a little bit on Sunday how many batted balls can we get on Jalen Hurts as he's trying to throw over the line of scrimmage it's just an underrated ad too and and the type the Chiefs need to keep making you mentioned kind of Pinnell right um give me one year mercenaries I guess along that defensive line to add to your to your kind of core guys you got sure Loftus now um, you'll probably have to add another in the draft, but then keep adding those because they're. I like the way they rotate their defensive line. They do a great job. Like with it. you have a you have 
seven, eight guys that can contribute. Um, Suggs wasn't that impactful. Ingram was. Mm -hmm. And now Dunlap has been. Yep. Like, they've done a pretty good job at least trying to do it. And more often than not, having success doing it. I'm not saying Suggs was a bust. But Didn't he throw, have, like, a big play at yeah, one point? He did. Yeah. Like, late, late in the year. But, he, yeah, right. There wasn't a lot there. And he signed really, really late. Signed late, yeah. Um, but those are those are savvy moves. Mm-hmm. You're not spending a lot of money. You're not breaking the bank. You're bringing in somebody with a little bit of experience to catch a little lightning in the bottle. And and it's been pretty good. Dunlap's had a solid season. He's had a really nice season. Yeah, he's had a really, really good year. And look, there's going to be work to be done for Brett Veach and company on the defensive line, you know, after this game. I mean, you look at it. You, you, what are you going to do with Chris Jones? What are you going to do with Frank Clark? What are you going to do with Carlos Dunlap? I mean, there are a lot of guys with names that have the opportunity to either depart here in free agency or, you know, sign a new contract like Chris Jones is probably going to end up doing. So there's there's a lot of decisions to be made. Like, I think we're going to go into this offseason, Josh, as soon as the Super Bowl is over and we're going to have the same kind of questions this offseason as we had last offseason when it started. What are you going to do along the defensive line and who's going to play your tackle positions? And so those are the same questions that need to be answered going in to this offseason. But I, I like your line of thinking. I would go back to the draft again and try to find a defensive end. If it's a deep draft on a defensive end and there's a guy there that you like at 32 or I guess 31 this year because somebody lost a pick, whatever the last pick in the draft is, if you have the opportunity to get another defensive end to pair with Karloftis, now you really got your bookends. You got two young guys that can play together for the next couple of years on those rookie deals again, which is so vital at that position where you tend to spend big bucks. And then maybe, and then maybe I don't know, maybe Frank Clark is back. Maybe back is another one. Carlos Dunlap is another one year guy. Your, he's your single year guy, right? I don't could know. be, yeah, could, could be, be something could like potentially that. be that guy, yeah. I guess add it as well to the strength strength of Veachtown, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's, that's something I think that they do. Pretty pretty well. Yeah. Is add add those pieces along the defensive line. But it's not just that. I mean, Jarek McKinnon is is a guy like that as well. They find guys that aren't like these heralded players that, you know, nobody I don't want to say nobody wanted or anything like that, but they weren't the the you know, they weren't the the talk of the town in the free agent market where everybody's throwing cash and saying, We gotta get this guy. They have done a really nice job by getting quote unquote role players to come in and play big and really contribute. I mean, Jarek McKinnon was an afterthought for a lot of people. He was hurt all the time out in San Francisco. They got rid of him chiefs brought him in here and he's been unbelievable where would this team be without Jarek mckinnon and the same thing goes for a guy like carlos dunlap where's this team right now without carlos dunlap having an impact on that defensive line yeah, yeah. so i always see him and i go oh yeah oh i forgot oh, yeah. about you oh, yeah. i forgot about yeah. him he had a he had an impactful season right so my bad my bad i did, did it again yesterday so i hope he gets uh his three goals because he's nailed he's nailed two of them already and uh goal number three would be the win coming up on sunday speaking of uh, brett Feechtown. Um, you got a bone to pick with with somebody about not recognizing. Well, Brett well it, 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 it's th- like this guy didn't know the song, which is very disappointing. He didn't know <laughs> that we had Brett Veachtown T-shirts for sale. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in buying one of those Brett Veachtown T-shirts, they're twenty bucks. We also have uh, Casey makes refs cry T-shirts. We've got the shut your mouth jabroni T-shirts and Burrowhead my ass T-shirt. Right. Okay, if you need those T-shirts, send us a text to the uh, 913-586-7610, and B-Dub will kick you the link to buy those shirts. But this one comes from a gentleman by the name of Joe Banner. Do you remember that guy's name, uh-huh. Joe Banner? He was uh, a 20-year NFL president and CEO with the Eagles and Browns and former ESPN analyst. So a guy that's kind of in the know, right, when it comes to the NFL 
And he tweets this out yesterday, which is this is one of those where I live in my world. And if it's not shown right to me, I don't think it's happening. Right. Joe Banner says not enough credit going to Brett Veach for an amazing job he's done over the last five years from finding Mahomes to rebuilding an O-line in one offseason and building an incredible roster. He is somehow under the radar. Somebody should be correcting that or a few somebodies. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, jackass. The entire world has been talking about Brett Veach, including this show. We've had two versions of Brett Veach Town and a remake by another band to do Brett Veach Town. We've been talking about this. We're selling Brett Veach Town t-shirts. And every time I look up at Good Morning Football and NFL Network, they're praising Brett Veach as well. Like, what rock is Joe Banner living under where he doesn't think Brett Veach is getting enough credit right now? And it's like he walked out of like some, some dark hole that he was in for four years contemplating his future and said, oh, my God. People ought to give Brett Veach credit. I don't think like he he legit probably thought this was some hot take that nobody else has had. And he's out here going, people aren't giving Brett Veach enough credit. They are giving Brett Veach a lot of credit. You're just not paying attention to the right stuff. Well, I mean, if he didn't listen to the fifth best morning show in America, then that, that is true. That's on that's on him because I mean, we play the music. I don't know. Danon wore the shirt to the Super Bowl, Josh. Well, we're living here in Brett Feeds Town. Without him, Patrick is not around. Out at Arrowhead, they're winning games, throwing touchdowns, holding parades. And Travis is catching the ball, dropping dimes to Tyreek and more. And our sacks are coming from Chris Jones. Ty's making plays. We need more parades. And we're living here in Breadfeet Town. I see you singing a B-dub. All can day. You, can you do me a favor and post this song to that Joe Banner tweet and let him know? that we literally sang about what he's writing about two years ago. And then also for the folks who want Brett Veach Town as their ringtone, which I've been getting a lot of requests on. People want that as their ringtone. If you want to put that out there. What people? All of them. Every person out there wants Brett Veach Town as their ringtone. These stories is real with Dan Israel Super Bowl edition. Next. Fesco in the morning, brought to you by Rayner Garage Doors of Kansas City. LiftMaster is patented MyQ technology. It's no wonder LiftMaster is the number one professionally installed garage door opener. Find us at RaynerKC.com. Patrick Mahomes joins CDOT every Monday at 2.15 for an exclusive one-on-one interview on your official broadcast partner of the Chiefs, 610 Sports Radio. Back in on a Wednesday edition along with Bob Fesco. I'm Josh Klingler. B-Dub, our producer slash musical director, should note you can text in at 913-586-7610 and request the music. That is right. On a way Back Wednesday. That's how it works. Tag your name so that you get the credit. But you picked the music on a Way Back Wednesday. Should have noted that. Should have not waited until 
6.50. I was going to ask you why we waited today. so long My to get bad. that in today. I mean, it's My Super Bowl bad. week, Josh. We got our minds on, on Super Bowl and, and all of that kind of minds stuff. And so. our minds and our money. And Yes, and our money on our mind. We also got our mind on LeBron for what he did last night, too, going yeah. out there and scoring 38,000 points in the NBA. I can't believe he's played five years longer than Michael Jordan, too. That's just unbelievable. Oh, he's going to probably play another five. I mean, yeah, probably. <laughs> 25 years in the NBA. Yeah. Could you imagine that? I mean, good Lord. 25 years of playing in the NBA? Well, I mean, he skipped those, you know, two or one or three in college. Are you, you talking know? about Jordan? or No. Oh, LeBron? Yeah. Yeah. yeah he. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he came in at 18, so he's only like 38 years old. Yeah. But, I mean, still, at the NBA, man, that's a grueling That's a grind. School. Well, I mean, they only play half the games because of you know, load management. Now so. they do. Now they do. Yeah. All right. It's time to get a little storytelling with Dan. It is that time of the week where... The hell's going on back there, B Dub? Who are you talking to? Your <laughs> the, mom, your dad, your grandma, your uncle, your aunt, your cousin, your wife, them. your all daughter. It your... is time for a little These Stories is Real. Mahomes looks to throw it. Pump faking right side. He wants it. A comeback cut. It is caught by Kelsey. Touchdown, Kansas City. One of the greatest duos in the history of the National Football League. These Stories is real focus and finish with dan israel that game will forever stick in the longest tenured member of the chiefs radio network brought to you by physician aesthetic specialists story time with dan today detailing the nfl sparing no expense except for maybe the uh the media all right try it again <coughs> behind the curtain the uh, NFL spares no expense. These say we're going to talk bad about the NFL, and so this is probably what happens, uh, except for maybe the media. I attended a uh, a party at Super Bowl Fifty. It was the commissioner's party, Roger Goodell, right? Uh, I walk in, uh, first person to greet Lynn and I was Roger Staubach. That was fun. So we had a conversation that was like, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm I'm hearing this. But the whole night goes on and on, and and you know the the. People are eating these, you know, fancy buffets and everything. And they had a band that night the, to play to entertain people. And the band started, and nobody was really dancing or paying attention to the band. They're all kind of just sitting at the tables, you know, conversing. And, and that's when I realized the band was Maroon Five. <laughs> <laughs> they so, just have a band, so, yeah, a band, a musical act. So yes. I walk up to the stage, and there's like six of us there that realize this is Maroon Five performing, and, and the rest of the crowd is just oblivious to it. So afterwards, Adam Levine comes off stage, and I said, so is it interesting to play for this kind of crowd? And he goes, some gigs you do for love, some you do for the money. <laughs> you pick which category that, <laughs> That's right. that He didn't tell me which was which. Happened to be. Yeah. All right, the two Super Bowls, though, did have a, a major contrast. One was a full stadium, and the other one was cardboard cutouts for yeah. about half the stadium. So that, they, weren't, they weren't quite the same. That was surreal with, you know, crowd noise and it was, it was really, uh, there were the, the, the people that were responsible for putting the stadium together had to go through literally in every seat, if not every other seat in in wire tie or scotch tie, these cardboard cutouts. And it was very cool where the cardboard cutouts were somebody like, a, you know, a military person that they were trying to honor. <laughs> still a cardboard cutout, right? And so none of the crowd noise was there. I mean, there were very few people there. You could barely hear. Uh, most fascinating thing, though, I loved about 
uh, Super Bowl 55 in Tampa was around the lower seats because nobody was there. They had placed these huge ribbon panels that would show up and they were big. I mean, they would probably take up eight or ten rows of the first eight or ten rows of the, the stadium. And they were made from what would be a about a notebook sized LED module. And it was just module after module after module put together. It's a little like brickwork, right? Well, the television director for, I think it was ABC, came in and they did a shot at night. And he didn't like the way it looked. So the company that did it had to send off to Europe to have these different modules come in. They're flown in and every one of these little bricks had to be replaced. I got one... A crew of like three or four people spent four days doing nothing but unscrewing these modules and plugging in these new LED modules just so they'd look a little different on the TV, the overhead shot for TV. It's fascinating. The, 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 the jobs you don't even know exist, right? And, and that's at every level from popcorn down to, you know, people who wrap cords. You mentioned the... Broadcast vantage points from both of the uh, the Super Bowls were both from the uh, from the corner. Miami was actually a a press box, though, correct? Unlike Tampa, which was a, a Home Depot special. <laughs> yeah, the uh, in Miami it was just an end zone suite hit that had been converted to a press box. Very, uh, the glass didn't open there either, which was really strange. Uh, so it, we felt a little disconnected from it. That and the fact that all of the action was a good hundred yards from us. It just, it was a weird, it was a weird game. But then in the next year was the COVID year. And so Mitch had really spent the whole year. Mitch Holtis has spent the whole year calling the game off of a monitor. And he kept gravitating towards the, the TV because we were in the end zone. They had taken what is, if you can imagine, at Arrowhead, the concourse, and put us at one end of the con- or the edge of the concourse, and they had built a stage up so that we could see over the concrete wall. And it was just totally, you're right, a makeshift Home Depot effort. Uh, we barely had lights in there. We barely had power. There were no circuits run for our audio. Everything had to be, like, hand done in the week prior to the game. And, and then we get there, and, of course, we're in the end zone where – if you know the Tampa Bay, the Raymond James Stadium, where the where the pirate ship is, we're in that end zone. So that was lovely because every time that cannon goes off, you know, four of us had to change our underwear. It was quite the day. But uh, I think the 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 worst part about the Tampa game was it was a home game for the Bucks, and so they win. We like to never got out of there, man. I mean, we we were in our van and we were trying to get out of there and. I mean, literally, fans didn't care. They were out celebrating. We finally got back to the team hotel probably about an hour later, and it, <laughs> Tampa looked like a war zone, man, like something had gone crazy in the downtown. It was just fireworks and litter from on all the streets, but uh, I, w- I would have appreciated that being in a neutral location, that's for sure. The good news was that the Tampa home announcers had the same bad booth we did. Yeah, right next to us. They had to abandon their normal home to uh, to acquiesce to the NFL. And there's these little things that, you know, fans and listeners might not realize, but 
when you're on a concourse like that, I think the nearest bathroom was a floor away. Was, you know, probably ten minute trip. We had to get permission to knock on the door of a suite for them <laughs> to let did. us in to go to the bathroom. Yeah, we finally got, and it was at the point where we realized, okay, either Mitch is going to have to do something creative here, or he's not going to make it to the bathroom back and forth. So yeah, that was a that was an interesting day for sure. How much work would because we eventually want Kansas City to host the Super Bowl, right? Yeah. Whenever new stadium with roof comes to play. You mentioned all this space that's taken up immediately around the stadium. Not to freak everybody out about parking, but how much real estate does that that game envelop versus a a game? Uh, it's You can't even imagine. I mean, it's really phenomenal how many people come in and how much uh, equipment's brought in. I mean, the, the equipment truck compound itself, a normal game is probably four or five semi-trucks. Sunday night football is probably eight. I would say the Super Bowl is going to have 30 trucks there, 30 semi-trucks. Where are you going to park all those trucks, right? So, yeah, it's the, the logistics are almost in, incomprehensible. I think in a new stadium, if Kaufman weren't there and they rebuilt Arrowhead next to or on the existing side of Kaufman, you'd have all of that ground I would say probably three quarters of it or more is going to be taken up by non-parking. So that that gives you an idea of how much stuff would actually be on site. The real problem, though, is hotel space because you have, you know, probably 100,000 people that are coming to town to actually attend the game between, you know, the people that will go to the game and they bring their spouse. And then you have another 150,000 people who just come for the week prior for all of the events that are around that. And so you have 250,000 people descend on your on your town. I know when Jacksonville in particular had it, they had to bring in cruise ships just to put people in, right? Which might be difficult for Kansas City. I don't think we can pull that off. But you don't think we can bring in some like river cruise boats and have them sleep on the Missouri? Uh, you know what? It's possible. So we'll see. I'm always amazed. We I always hear about how short the hotel space is in Kansas City at that Adams Mark across from the stadium sits empty. So I don't know. But uh, hotel space would be a definite issue. I also think the logistics of, you know, the, all of the events, Radio Row, for example, and, and you know, uh, some of the opening night ceremony stuff, those all have to be planned out and coordinated, and you're traveling back and forth. I don't know where they would hold those. I would assume some are probably Crown Center-ish, some are downtown. Uh, there's a lot of uh, travel that are involved there, too. So you, you need the rental cars, the Uber service, the taxi service. All of that gets just over the demand for it's overwhelming for a week. And then it goes away. We got time to plan. Yeah. Okay. Oh, hey, we're going to have a new airport, so that's good. <laughs> Dan Israel, these stories is real. Yeah.